Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Yellow Card. Join my buddy the Pain and I as we delve into this week's past action and let's get straight into it with war controversies. The Pain, what did you think of war and the impact it had on this weekend's games? I think we're never going to stop talking about war, is it? It's I think we spent so much time talking on war more than anything any other single topic that we've spoken about. but it's just getting in the way of everything that is happening i mean it's become more of a hindrance it's become starting to get very annoying i, I remember we were talking when the arsenal match was going on that the goal was scored within the first minute and by the time the play restarted it was over 5 minutes that had passed so just so much time getting lost in taking these decisions and there is still debate whether they are right or wrong or whether they are fair unfair and it just keeps on going on we saw that with the leicester game where they got a penalty for a handball in the box same with manchester city liverpool game which i'm sure had the penalty been converted you would be in a completely different mood right now oh sure absolutely <laughs> and uh, you're right i think we all seem to be talking about var far too often and i think whether whichever show whether you look at a commentator you look at journalists you look at any sort of english premier league show today uh, all we do is everyone spends a lot of time talking about var talking about the decisions talking about the the rules and it's just sad because it's taking away the fun of the game it's taking away the sheer quality and the sh- and it's it's not football anymore let's face it i don't understand what's going on and if you look at the decisions the aston villa decision while magin did appear um, the, the goal did appear like it it could have been an offside the point is the fact and the the emphatic way in which magin had scored the goal it would have actually had no bearing because the goalkeeper wouldn't have been able to stop the ball in the first place and there was still a fair distance between the other villa player and the ball uh, and the goalkeeper so i don't really think that you can say this was a direct impact where it would have had he seen the ball better he would have probably had a chance to save it and it's just sad that the rules are like that and and moving on then to even the lester decision that's not really a penalty i mean where do you want him to keep his hands it was a natural position um it's amazing to me because you have referees in the english premier league saying that we don't want to have players behind their backs uh, uh sorry we don't want to have players with their hands behind their backs and yet if they are in a natural position you're actually calling a penalty so where do you want them to have their hands similarly in the liverpool city uh, match it was literally gomez's natural position so where do you want his hands to be how do you want him to react and this is something which is going to really affect our game and it's already done when we are eight games into the season so literally some stance of some sort needs to be taken and a decision needs to be made because you're killing the game you're literally killing the game and i was watching some pundits talk just yesterday the silver lining if you really want to see it is this weekend's decisions i think have been consistent consistently wrong which is the problem but they've been consistent so even though they've done a bad job they've done a bad job for 
the entire Premier League and all the teams to go with it this weekend. I don't really think it was they were consistently wrong, but they are fairly consistent. And it's a there's a difference between following the letter of the law and the spirit of the game, and somewhere you have to find a balance between the two of them. I mean, the the rules cannot be obstructing the game or hampering the game. They have to promote the game. So they they need to do good for the game. And rather, this is having the alternate effect where the game is not only is the game slowing down, but there is so much debate about what is right and what is wrong and what is fair and what is unfair. It's taking away from the entire talk of performance and the way people play. It's changing because at one end in the City Liverpool game, you saw at one end where Sterling was fouled. It was outside the box. But had Sterling gone down, it would have been given a free kick. And on the other end, a similar foul on Mane. Mane went down and is given a penalty. So now, where does VAR come in and where does VAR not come in? That is really the issue here. Where Even if you're saying if it's consistent, it has to be consistent, not based on how the players react to a particular occasion. It has to be consistent on what has happened, not based on the reaction of the players. So there is a line that needs to be drawn or balance that needs to come in between the rules that are there and the spirit of the game that is being hampered right now. I, I actually agree with everything you're saying, but what also needs to be taken into consideration is, this is these are not all the referees' fault. They've obviously been asked to make these decisions. So I think whoever's looking at these rules and looking at the laws of the game, whether it's the English FA, whether it's the Premier League, how they want to go about instructing the referees to carry out these decisions, that's something that really needs to be seen. One positive sign in all this that I can probably say happened this weekend is you saw a lot of decisions where the video assistant referee is actually telling the on-field referee, why don't you go and have a look yourself? So at the end of the day, if anyone is to be blamed for a good decision or a bad decision, it's actually the on-field referee that is the one making the decision based on the replay that he sees. Uh, Another thing that needs to be taken into account, which I think is not currently being taken into account, is the fact that when they go and see these replays, most of these replays are in slow motion, which actually could give an indication that maybe the, the player had a chance to get his hands out of the way and oh, it's he's, he's stretching his arms and it's an unnatural position, which may not be the case. The referees, along with seeing the replays in slow motion to check whether it actually hit an arm or which part of the body it, it, it did actually hit, should also see these uh, the match in real time and these replays in real time because that will give you an idea of exactly how much time a player has had to react to a particular situation. I agree with that. I mean, I think as as we said last time also, we can keep talking about this war over and over again and nothing's going to happen of it. I guess we just have to live with it. But there were some special performances in uh, this week's, uh, this weekend's uh, matches. Southampton and uh, Aston Villa in particular. What did you think about the two performances from those t- two teams? Well, Very, very impressive performance from Aston Villa. They actually took down Arsenal and Arsenal, remember, coming off a very good victory against United. And it's sad to see because I think this is something where Arsenal could have actually built on from. Instead, it was Villa bouncing back from their latest defeats. Um, A good, emphatic 3-0 win, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, bear in mind that the McGinn goal, which happened within 45-46 seconds, was actually called off and they still had to rebuild and, and, and come from there. Another good example of how well Aston Villa are playing is the fact that they got Oli Watkins, I think, scored another double. And this is a striker that's come in from 
the the championship and it continues to do well he scored a hat trick against liverpool as well so he's actually scoring some good goals for villa and doing it against some really strong teams so a very very good performance tight defense martinez good in goal i think a lot of positives for villa if you really uh, compare the performance and and arsenal you know i i think it's it's sad to see moving on to southampton again i think a very very strong performance again an emphatic victory and a very important one because it was without their star man danny ings what happened was che adams the other striker stepped up played some amazing football he had a very very good all round game that day and what a strike it was because i was very very impressed walcott to to che adams and what a goal so very very impressive victory from southampton little more than a year after they suffered a very very bad loss and for a few hours they were actually top of the top of the premier league so kudos to southampton and their manager i think it's been a wonderful wonderful change in fortune change in strategy change in methodology and it's definitely worked for southampton they're playing some really good football southampton and the walcott and she adams partnership also looked pretty good they just put together right now for this uh, after danny ings injury but it's looking pretty good going forward also i thought they struggled without danny ings but they've shown signs that uh, you know maybe they can cope and as you said they were on top of the table for nearly a, a day or a little bit more than a day so that that's definitely something that they haven't seen in a while so that would definitely be uplifting for them uh, for the whole camp to see their names on the top of the charts and i think the southampton twitter handle also uh, tweeted the table uh, the table and saying stop the count so that, that was also a lot of fun to see so i think they are enjoying that that the whole southampton camp in a, is in a happy space and things are looking good for them coming to aston villa arsenal i think they, they, that was a commanding performance from aston villa i think you can blame arsenal for a lot of things but from an aston villa point of view that was an absolutely command, commanding performance and it is similar to the 7-2 win against liverpool it was the same kind of performance there and now the advantage that aston villa had which they didn't last year was last year they were a one person team it was only grealish that was there that was the threat so other teams could easily negate that threat now there are at least three players that are posing a goal threat between ross barkley oli watkins and grealish is of course there so it's a it's a major threat on three fronts so teams have to now they cannot focus on any one in terms of the defense and that's why they are creating more chances and you know putting in great performances some very attacking football there i actually yeah i was almost killing myself watching it but on the uh, some part of me was also really enjoying aston villa playing uh, that well let's move on to the other team that is also playing some good football starting to come into their own chelsea winning 4-1 another impressive performance uh, from them and they're st- starting to show why we thought at the start of the season that they would be a uh, force to reckon with oh absolutely i i agree with you on absolutely scintillating performance tammy on the score sheet along with chilwell thiago and timo werner so a absolutely emphatic all-round performance a lot of positives to take out of there 
Hakim Ziyech again completely looks the part, looks so comfortable in a Chelsea shirt, even though he's spent so little time with the team. Remember, he was injured at the start, so he's only just begun performing, just begun getting those kind of minutes for Chelsea. And it's all, all positive and only exciting to say the very least. I think the back four again are now coming into their own. I'm happy to see that Frank Lampard also seems to think that it's the same back four that I had said right at, at the start of the season. It's Thiago and Zuma. It's uh, Chilwell and it's Reese James. It remains to be seen, of course, whether he will continue with the four of them. But I think the last couple of games, he's been consistent with them. Mendy is doing a very good job in goal as well. So I think it's only going to get better and stronger with, with time. And I, I think I've said this week on week and so have you. So, uh, yeah, I, nothing else to add really from a Chelsea standpoint. I think it's all good. All guns blazing for Chelsea. I think, yes, yeah, ZH has been really impressive since he's come in. I mean, he's, he wasn't available for the early part of the season. But since he's come in, he's put in some excellent performances and he looks like the main creator for them right now. With the amount of uh, passes and the key passes and chances that he's created, it's really impressive. And I think Chilwell spoke after the game and he said that the whole uh, I mean, coaching staff is just encouraging him to get on the far post whenever ZH has the ball because he's going to just find a way to find you and you're going to score goals. So just get on there. And he said, I actually had no idea of how that ball went into the goal. But it's still something that I'm encouraged to do. And hopefully, he'll have many more goals, is what he said. So, it looks like they've, they've sorted things out and now know each other's strengths and what who can do what. And they're playing off each other. So, that's, that's also a good thing. Absolutely. Agreed with you, Dipin. Absolutely. Let's move on, Chirag, to your favourite team. Or the team that you've been most talking about right now. Ole Gunnar and Manchester United. They got away with a good win, didn't they? For a minute, I was wondering whether you were going to say Spurs or Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got away with a good win, you're right. Now, uh, Ole was on fire after the match because he criticised the crazy schedule that uh, the players are literally being forced to adhere to. I think actually it was a good performance by United. They showed a lot of grit and guts because they went down 1-0 if I'm not mistaken and then they came back. So, two Bruno Fernandes goals and I think it was a good, good all-round performance. So, very good to see that United could actually bounce back from an early lead taken by Everton and right at the end there Cavani also got on the score sheet so good news for United fans and from my perspective because I'm a Cavani fan glad that he actually got on the score sheet God knows why they took so long to get him on I think he came around the 80th minute so uh, I really would like to see him starting a lot more often post this international break Everton I think didn't really deserve the victory they looked you know, in all sorts of trouble, so to say. And uh, United were much better value on the day and uh, a very, very good performance and uh, showing support for their manager because he's holding down the fort for now. And uh, let's see how things go. But I agree with what he had to say about the schedule because you're asking for trouble. You're asking for a lot more injuries. And we've not only seen that across United, but a lot of support from Klopp and Pep for whatever Ole had to say, say as well. It It is, it is. I mean, all the managers of these teams who have to play European competitions during the week and then weekend, they're playing Premier League and the Premier League doesn't really give you a day off, like in the sense there's no free game or there's no easy game for you. So every game you have to have, even if not your best 11 for these clubs, you have to have a good team on the park. And that, that means many 
players will have to play two matches in a week or three matches in a space of 10 days so it is going to have a toll on the players so with the players you can empathize with them because they they are in a position where they don't really have a choice however saying manchester united liverpool or man city can they really complain about a tight schedule i mean these are clubs that have the funds they have 25 30 players on the roster on their roster at any point they have the resources to shuffle around they have not only a good first 11 they have a good second 11 also so i don't know if they it's fair for the managers to complain it is what it is the schedule is the same for everyone so what what makes it different on how differently can you do this anyways well i i actually have a different opinion it's not exactly the same for everyone because the other leagues take th- certain things into account which the premier league doesn't and i think it's unfair the other leagues if i'm not mistaken a lot of them actually allow five subs as well which the premier league doesn't when you talk about a big squad yes there is a squad of, squad of 25 players but obviously that's not always your best 11 and uh, when you're talking about the champions league european league and such a competitive premier league you want to play your best 11 as far as possible and bear in mind that that teams like uh, Oh, I I don't I don't know. Maybe Everton. Even if you want to take into consideration, they're a strong side and don't have any European football this year. So what happens then is they can put out a stronger side, and you may not put out your strongest eleven, but thereby giving them an unfair advantage. You also played on a Wednesday or Thursday, and then playing back again on Saturday or Sunday. Another thing that, for example, from a United standpoint, could have been done is they could have definitely played on a Sunday. I mean if Liverpool and City were playing on a Sunday because of the Champions League match why couldn't you squeeze in United over there why can't you have all those Europa League and uh, um, Champions League uh, teams play on a Sunday it is definitely doable you, it's probably just because you want that much TV coverage and you want you want th- that you know uh, that much money from broadcasters that you're probably not doing it and and and, and you're testing the players so th- there are definitely ways to go about doing things you have a lot of monday night football keep a couple of matches on a monday night for those who have played on on thursday for europa league and keep keep those matches on a sunday for those that have played the tuesday and wednesday in champions league i think there are things that can be worked around and you have seen a lot more injuries i mean uh, alexander arnold went off and the person to sim- sympathize and empathize with him was pep so uh, you got to understand that it's not one player from one side it's a lot of players across uh, across sides in the english premier league that are facing the same issue and they're playing just way too much football because every weekend they have a game then they have a champions league or europa uh, europa league uh, game in between now the international break only means more games because they have three games in 10 days most have one friendly and two europa league uh, europa nations league matches that's another three tough games and then you get thrown into again back to back premier league action and back to back three weeks of champions league stroke europa league so it's taxing and how and i definitely feel for these players because it's 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 definitely a big strain on on them that's for sure i agree with parts of what you said so i'm definitely with the players it it is a big strain on them and you cannot go up to a coach in today's environment and say say you know i don't i'm not up to it i'm not playing a game so you don't really have that option i'm not in favor of the managers coming out and complaining simply because my point being whether it is liverpool man city or manchester united or say any of the teams that are going to come into the top 6 or finish in the top 6 as we expect them 
they all have the same schedule so it's just one day here or there so you're saying that if manchester united is playing on a saturday they get an additional day for the next europa league match so it probably works out in that sense or they get an additional day off for whenever the next match is so it kind of evens out next time probably uh, a man city or a liverpool is playing on a saturday and man united is playing on a sunday so it probably gets you know evened out in that sense as far as the top 6 clubs are concerned they have the same schedules they are playing the same competitions and they are playing on similar days so i don't see a difference okay if you say that everton might beat out manchester united for the number 6 spot maybe yes then there's a reason to complain but up until then there isn't all right so we're just going to hope that villa southampton and everton and all these teams just drift away they don't drift away but they have smaller budgets and they have smaller squads anyways so they they have been those clubs have been bullied by these big clubs all throughout anyways so it's fine if one year they get a little bit of advantage over the others while others have the money advantage they have the schedule up advantage of playing lesser number of matches it evens out that way ah uh, well we can discuss this i guess for ages so i will agree to disagree and we can move on <laughs> i guess we should then well coming down to a couple of quick mentions i think that uh, burnley played out a goalless draw against brighton nothing really bright about that game though um i think both clubs need to really start scoring and start winning some games otherwise they're going to find it really really difficult i believe burnley are in the bottom 3 and brighton not too far from there uh, another game which we could mention would be there was a 1-0 leicester victory against wolves where vardy scored a penalty and missed a penalty and like we've already spoken about the penalty decision against wolves the first penalty i believe was not really a penalty having said that var is var and we've already discussed it and the second penalty was a little more i think palatable so to say <laughs> so we can accept that decision and vardy actually missed so it ended up being a 1-0 victory against wolves wolves all of a sudden i think um, i i would expect a lot from both leicester and wolves but uh, unfortunate that they couldn't really create anything more they didn't really look like they were going to you know win that game or actually maybe even gun for that draw at at, at a particular time I, i was less than excited with wolves performance and a lot of positives for leicester because as, as far as i'm concerned they they go into the international break really happy brendan rogers side sits top of the league so there is a liverpool connection with everyone who's on the top of the league somehow is it always <laughs> but having uh, i mean speaking of vardy missing the penalty there have been a few missed penalties this weekend jamie wardy of course missed the penalty so did kevin de bruyne have missed a penalty against liverpool which i'm sure you're really happy about but i think the worst of the misses came from lukman i think the penalty he took it was right at the end for an equalizer and the ball barely managed to reach the goalkeeper what happened there i think we need to literally write on his shirt what was i thinking <laughs> because i have no clue and i'm sure he doesn't either because that was one of the worst penalties i've seen i wouldn't say in a long long time i think it could be the worst penalty i've ever seen in my life because <laughs> it it barely traveled to the keeper i don't know what he was trying there but it was god awful and they really needed that they needed a victory they needed a draw they'll take anything at this moment fulham when they got a penalty they really should have made a mo- the most of it when you're you know if you have to miss hit hit it nicely make the goalkeeper 
make a good save hit the target properly there was none of that it was abysmal it it was like a joke i think a 10 year old could have taken a better penalty and would have had more of a chance of scoring i think for fulham this is the second penalty they've missed out of two that they've gotten i think last weekend or la- weekend before that also mitrovic missed a penalty and now this weekend this so for a team that's not scoring goals and not converting their penalties is uh, i think a cardinal sin well mitrovic missed the penalty <laughs> lukman belly took it moving on i think two games that we can talk about probably two of my favorites so spurs 1-0 victory over west brom and then we will talk about the champions well the current champions versus the past champions so let's start by talking about spurs versus west brom what did you think the pain i was trying to watch the game i was really trying to watch the game i thought there will be a lot of uh, attacking potential from tottenham with bale kane and son all starting the front the famed front three that has been built up but uh, it was hard to watch them it was hard to just stay awake because there was nothing happening in that game and i think spurs got really lucky with that one goal in the end where harry kane just headed the ball over the keeper into the net it was also partly because the keeper was in no man's land he wasn't attacking the ball neither was he on his line so he could manage to do that and save tottenham the blushes there i think they got away there was a very lucky win for them i'm sure they'll take it but yeah that that's what it was there was nothing much happening apart from that in that game no i agree with you the only positive i can see from that game is the game is that bale song and uh, kane all started it was not exciting is an understatement it was dead boring i think that uh, mourinho got lucky like you said i also think that it was a proper goalkeeping error because he should have either gone to collect the ball or she he should have stayed on his line because he landed up somewhere in between uh, kane managed to latch onto that pass from doherty and scored and that was all she wrote really i think a good hard fought hard ground out victory from mourinho's men so if you want to say that at the end of the day it's the three points that count and uh, the teams are not going to always play their best i think from that perspective at least they didn't go draw they didn't give up they didn't lose the three points is what counts so i think all in all mourinho goes home a happy man but i agree with your assessment of the game fully and i think spurs really need to do a lot better if they are going to stay somewhere near the top of the league for now though they go into the international break looking good because i think they are actually second in the league if i'm not mistaken yeah they are what are your thoughts on liverpool city it was very interesting start to the match yeah? the two teams especially firstly the lineup from liverpool front four probably i can just say that now front four with jota firmino mane and salah all starting it was a statement to start the match that way and it they took city by surprise i think with playing those four guys up front they scored the goal but then city adjusted and clawed back so for the first 30 to 40 minutes it looked like two gladiators going at each other then something happened after that maybe in the half time or break or something something happened and the second half was just both teams avoiding taking risks and just playing it safe and the match kind of fizzled out of course city missed the penalty that uh, i mean de bruyne won and took so that would really that could haunt them a little bit but i think eventually it was a fair result over for the match it was a 1-1 and i guess manchester city needed the win more than liverpool did so i think liverpool would go home the happier of the two sides but i think it was a fair result in the end 
again i actually completely agree with the assessment of the game i think it was one of the most boring second halves and thereby a very boring overall game between city and liverpool that i've seen in a while because their games really uh, they go they take each other on head to head they both go for the win and the first half was actually more of that so completely what we expected very exciting they got the penalty i think it was a penalty no question about that there was not even too much of a resentment or too much of an issue created by the city players or pep himself by the way so i think it could it could be looked at as a proper fair decision salah converted uh, like you said they clawed their way back into the game they scored a goal uh, uh, what a goal by gabriel jesus i think was a wonderful wonderful flick wonderful turn what a strike i think you something needs to be said for that because you have to give him credit and he's just come back from uh, an injury so i think uh, he's looking really really good for city and and very promising and they really need their number 9 because uh, aguero is still out injured and uh, i don't know what to really say from the penalty miss by um, de bruyne because that's something you definitely don't expect from him and mind you he didn't even hit the target alisson went the wrong way and he didn't hit the target so Uh, nothing else to add other than liverpool got really really lucky over there to take them out of the woods uh, overall i think the game really lacked spark lacked shine you could see that they both because i think a couple of reasons maybe that they both have a lot of games uh, both they already played a lot of games and a lot of games to come and again most of their players are international players so they'll all be going uh, on their international break and playing three more games uh, so i think that uh, both managers kind of decided that let's not lose the game let's just make the save at half time or at least that's the way it seemed because they still have injuries and from a liverpool perspective there was no van dijk there was no fabinho uh, there's no thiago they still lack players so i don't think they wanted to really go for it per se although you could probably also state the opposite in terms of their intent especially in the first 45 because they did put out all four like you say it was a it was a fab four that they went with which which literally uh, like you had spoken to me on sunday itself and you had said look it's it states klopp's intent and that's exactly what it did it is an emphatic statement of intent from klopp saying here i am i'm coming for the, i'm going to etihad and i'm going for the win so uh, th- that that was definitely a good statement of intent and the uh, first 45 obviously like i said um, it it probably was a good reflection of the game and good statement of intent from both managers it was like a light switch that just went off at half time and then 45 minutes the game's literally dead Yeah, maybe at halftime, both the managers had a secret handshake and said, "We'll take the draw." Well, the pain. I think we've covered most matches, if not all. Do you have anything else to add before we call it tonight? No, I think the players are getting tired playing, and I think we are also ready for a break now. So I think that that should be all from us today. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, for tonight and for the next couple of weeks. That was all she wrote. Have a good weekend and a good couple of weeks. We'll see you on the other side of the international break. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.